Welcome to a special New York edition of CycleCast, and thank you for streaming, downloading, or tuning in at cyclefeed.xyz. My name is Ronnie Toth, and I'm here with my co-host. Aloudon Hightower, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. We are really excited. You know, today's episode is being brought to you by a very, very special uh, company and their Poseidon bikes. We are true believers in bringing affordable products to those that can't fork over thousands on a bike, and we all know how that is when we all obviously ride bikes and spend our mom's money on everything we can. <laughs> but uh, Poseidon is filling the gap and giving everyone the opportunity to train on affordable killer bikes, and they are changing the tide of cycling. Poseidon Bikes, I dig it. They've got an entry-level road bike at 500 bucks, so they're hoping to bridge the gap between an entry-level fixie where you can get involved for 100 bucks, and a thousand, multi-thousand dollar road bikes. It's pretty cool. It's kind of the gateway drug, in a way, fixed gear, to, uh, to get into USAC or real road cycling. Today, we've got an incredible guest. He's hosting the high-profile Red Hook race in Brooklyn tomorrow night. Let's wake, welcome uh, David Trimble. Thank you so much. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, for, thanks yeah. for the time, man. <laughs> thanks for coming over. No, thank you. We're just excited to be here in New York. Like, I've never... I've been in New York once before, but before that, I mean, you just see what's on television, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm excited to be able to ride here, had a little tumble, but it's okay. It was my fault. I love Already? Roll. You already crashed? <laughs> yeah. First, first crash of the weekend. Yeah, oh, man. Hopefully the only crash. Yeah. yeah. I love rolling up and seeing you in different cities. You're just at home no matter where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. of roaming After, around. Uh, as long as I have an office and uh, my computer, I can work from anywhere. That's I remember cool. in Milan when Colin, uh, Colin Strickland won, we brought you some pastries and came over and saw like the Bond-style dungeon that you guys had. Yeah, that was an old uh, old bomb shelter, yeah. actually. Really? Yeah. It was like yeah, we had, we, had to make, we tried to find like really cool offices in, e in each city. So, in Milano, a bomb shelter. Yeah. That's yeah, I, mean, I think I told you about that. You like probably the did. bat cave. The bat cave. Bat cave. That's yeah. sweet. That's sweet. Um, now, you come from a family that's been very successful in the cycling industry, and uh, the carbon bikes designed by your family and uh, James and Brent Trimble, correct? Uh, correct, yeah. James is my father and Brent's, Brent's uh, my uncle. Oh, they were actually used in the Olympics, I understand, the 1996 and 2000 Olympics. Yeah, so my, my uncle was brought on, brought on by GT to design wow. and build the, the GT Superbikes, which That's actually rad. won, Marty Nostein won gold medal in uh, Sydney. Jeez, I've got an old uh, GT road bike. That was like my first one. And I'd be on Strava and people would see like GT road bike. And it was like a yeah. women's <laughs> 52 and I'm like 6'2". And just <laughs> get a long stem on there and jack the saddle up. Nice. Yeah, actually, there'll be someone racing the crit tomorrow on, on that on bike. The, really? Yeah. Okay. On, what year is it? The, bi the bike, the bike. The, they made the molds in 96, okay. I believe. Um, wow. That's incredible. If so you like, see the bike, it looks like a modern bike. It's, in, it's incredible. Wow. So your family is essentially pioneers of the modern carbon fiber industry that we see. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure. 96, 2000. Industry, but they early. definitely were the inventors and came up with the wow. kind of the monocoque molding process that's used. You know, everyone's using it these days. That's wow. incredible. My uncle was... They started in the in the late seventies with the molding. The late seventies. Late seventies. Back then, it wasn't carbon; it was uh, kind of like Kevlar and fiberglass. And then later, once wow. carbon became more available, mm -hmm. they started using carbon. Wow! I've actually repaired a bike before with fiberglass resin, just from Home Depot. Yeah. Like I had this mountain bike single speed, and the rear stays were broken clean through. Like you could see daylight; you could <laughs> move them apart. Fiberglass is, is good. It's just a lot heavier yeah. than carbon. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. But Kevlar, Kevlar made the bikes really strong. There's bikes that my dad made in, in the early 80s 
composite bikes that are still being like really? raced and that's phenomenal. They're, they're totally bomb proof. Wow. Who is racing on the uh, the Trimble bike? Uh, Evo or the GT. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the Trimble bike. <laughs> uh, Evo from Amsterdam. Okay. So, so yeah, cool. he's representing Gosh. Trimble Racing. I'm yeah. so stoked! Like this is such an eclectic spread of talent from all over the world. Would you say this is the most competitive Red Hook to date? Yeah, I think like every Red Hook's more comp- yeah, the most competitive one. You know, every race faster. gets harder and harder. But it's like a guy like Colin on elbows racing wins in Milan, and then his teammates see it. Uh, you know, you catch <laughs> Daniel Holloway's attention. It's going to be stacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely getting harder, but it's also more competitive. Like more riders have a chance to win now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think as you, know, you add more fit breakaway guys, the chance of it being a breakaway kind of goes up versus it being a bunch sprint. Or what are your thoughts? I think it's, you know, one of the beauties of the crit is that it's super unpredictable. No one yeah. knows what's going to happen. So, yeah. you know, last year we had two bunch sprints and and two breakaways. So we really have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. Having a lot of fast riders can, you know, either nullify all the attacks or there can be more attacks that stick. Yeah. We don't know. What's been the um, the consensus among gearing for, for the men and women? What have you been hearing? Well, no, one knows. Ratio? no one knows because no one knows what the track design is. So oh, really? I don't even know yet. I actually so have, have to go to the like track now and... Finalize, finalize it. it yeah. Wow. Can we go to the track with you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, go- I'm going. There. I'm going there. I'm going to go try it out on, on that bike over there. We were thinking so. we were just <laughs> talking about it because we were like, how far away is the track? And then uh, we realized it was around the corner. And then Shazad, you tried to say that you were going to go. You went over there, but they kicked you off. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. The team's doing a good, good job. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. No, we w- no, it's hard to control the circuit. Oh, I can totally imagine. Yeah. I could. I can imagine. It's Barcelona. Barcelona. Two years ago, we were. We just kept having guys going around the track, burning hot laps, and uh-huh. we finally put barriers across the track to stop it. Oh, and nice. some kid just like head down, sprinted straight oh, into the barriers and broke his collarbone. Fixie yeah. man, fixie. Yeah, he wasn't. Even, he wasn't even a racer, and he, he wasn't even yeah. a racer. Ouch! It's of course he wasn't. Yeah. I want. I wanted to ask you if you could explain Trimble Racing. Pretty much like how you started that, mm-hmm. where that came from. Yeah, you guys uh, started back in the day with like putting uh, carbon bikes together, but just the idea of if you could pretty much explain because it's pretty. There's a lot of branches to it. Yeah, from what I've been reading, and so I don't, I don't want to um, butcher it. Yeah, I mean, Trimble Racing is is just kind of the name I use now as kind of the organization that you know I, I organize Red Hook Crit and some other small races. Right, right. Uh, my family had more or less been out of the bike industry for, you know, 10 years by the time I started Red Hook. Oh, um, really? Yeah, we're not actively involved in, you know, making or selling bikes anymore. Mm-hmm. You guys are involved in motorsports, though, correct? I used to be involved in motorsports. Yeah, okay. so my, back, my, my background's in, I started racing go-karts uh, as a teenager. Okay. I raced professionally, uh, shifter uh-huh. karts. Really? And then I tried to make the step into open-wheel cars, but I didn't have enough money, so became a mechanic, worked on uh, Formula BMWs, Formula Renault, and then up into IndyCar, That's where really I was uh, on the pit crew. Uh-huh. So, I, yeah, kind of com- com- combining my father's, you know, world in cycling and then motorsports is mm-hmm. kind of... What's, what's the comparison that you see? I know, obviously, bikes are two wheels, and they're powered by, you know your legs and then you have a motor that's just that just smashes what is there anything that you could bring together between the two sports or the two disciplines they're both racing but that could that's a pretty decent comparison you would say uh i think there's a lot more than that you know Mm -hmm. first of all it's you know the atmosphere of the weekend okay okay the the whole kind of ambition of the red hook crit is to make it the formula one of bike racing right 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 and using track bikes makes it really technical um 
you know, from my, from my days of the driver and shifter carts, you know, just the, the technique you needed to go through a corner fast, be your breaking point, your, you know, when you can hit the apex, when you can accelerate again, it's, it's, it's perfectly replicated with a track bike going into oh. a tight corner. Wow. You know, you really have to know what you're doing, plan the lines and uh -huh. think about, you know, how one corner is going to affect the next corner. Mm -hmm. And you get that a lot on a track bike. You have to, you have to drive your bike. Right, right, right. That's so crazy. I had no idea. I've noticed people become better drivers when they're cyclists. Yeah. You know, I like to say we'd have far less accidents if everyone was a cyclist. Yeah. People Absolutely. don't know that they don't know the dimensions of the car. That terrifies me. Like on the way here, somebody we were on, pulled over on the side of the road looking at directions and a car is coming by and they've got like three feet, I would say. But yeah. they think that they're like inches away. And so that's terrifying when someone's passing you at speed and they don't know the true dimensions of their car. Mm. Yeah, when I was racing shifter carts, the, the cart would actually become an extension of your body. I mean, like, yeah. the, the left rear tire, like, felt like a part of your body. And right. I felt the same way when I started racing track bike crits. Yeah. How do you explain a shifter car for anybody that doesn't know what a shifter... Because, I mean, I've never... I've seen go-karts. You go to the local, you know, I guess, uh, mini golf place, you know? Yeah, that's not a go-kart. Exactly. <laughs> so explain that. Because when I hear go-karts, I think that or Mario Kart. Um, so. Well, if you watch Formula One or IndyCar or NASCAR, every single mm -hmm. one of those drivers started in carts, 100% okay. of them. Uh, shifter carts are the fastest kind of uh, go-kart. It's got a six-speed. When I was racing, it was a motocross engine, a six-speed really? sequential gearbox, around 45 horsepower. Goes zero to 100 in like three and a half seconds. 100 um, miles yeah. an hour? I mean, they would no go, they would go 120, 130 miles per hour. Shut up. Pull, pull three lateral Gs in the corner. How many cc's is that? The engine uh, that size? was a 125. So 125 engine. Wow. So it's yeah. just light and quick. Super light, super fast. What's and something like that weigh? It's like a couple hundred pounds. There was a weight limit. It was okay. I think it was 385 pounds with the driver. Okay. Um, back then wow. I was like super skinny, so wow. I had to add weight to my it's car. Like a jockey. Yeah. What is so that's the minimum. That's the minimum. I mean, so you had to be to UCI, a three, if you if you were above 385, you weren't competitive. So okay. you had to. You had to be, you know, right on the limit. So the car and the person needs to be under 385. Well, it has to be over, over, over 385. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over 385. In cycling, you have the 14.98 uh, pounds for UCI minimum. Uh -huh. uh, when do you think, will, will we ever see a, a weight minimum in uh, Trimble Events or Red Hook or uh, well, you know, fixed well, racing? Hopefully, hopefully we won't have to do that. Yeah. You know, hopefully people are showing up with bikes that are yeah. safe. But if we start seeing like, you know, catastrophic fame, yeah. frame failures and stuff like that. I mean, but that was kind of, they say it's an outdated rule because as carbon fiber was coming up, they wanted it to be strong enough so they had weight minimums. Yeah. And nowadays you can have a 800 gram frame that is incredibly strong. It's not really an issue anymore. Yeah, There's I think, kind of I think a lot of the rules are outdated. Yeah. So. What else do you think is outdated in cycling, would you say? Um, you know, I think... I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can pinpoint one thing, but I think, you know, I think traditional cycling—they've kind of forgotten to make it spectator friendly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the real, you know, thing that's been lost. You know, you have to make the race appeal to people outside of the cycling world. You have to bring in new fans, and you know, if you do a race in New York City, mm -hmm. you know, tomorrow there there hopefully there'll be ten thousand people at the race. Wow. And maybe a thousand of them are cycling fans, and the rest of the people are there just to see a spectacle. Right. <laughs> right. I think of that's, which I don't want to be involved in. Yeah. If that spectacle involves a gate. <laughs> spectacle means crash in my head. I see what, I see no, what you're saying. Spectacle means, <laughs> no, means drama. Yeah. 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 yeah you got to make, you got you know, you to get out of your own little bubble and make the, make the world bigger. Right. It's provocative. Bigger. Gets the people going. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Now, 
How did you get Red Hook started? You started it from your birthday. Everybody knows that it was pretty much just a birthday party yep. that turned into one of the fastest races on the planet almost. Yeah, just 2008. Not actually, I, re- I was working for my uncle. Uncle's an architecture firm at the time. Mm-hmm. And I actually had my first plan was to do an alley cat that was like architecture themed. Oh, really? And I realized it was going to be too much work. So I <laughs> simplified it into a crit. Right. Can you imagine like saying, okay, you need to go? I don't know any architectural terms, but like having to roll up to a building with, I guess, hit us with an architectural term. What did you, what made it complicated? Well, we were just going to make people go to like famous landmarks around oh, the city, okay, architectural okay. landmarks. Okay, okay, okay. But, <laughs> But then, but then I wanted to do a birthday party, and I was like, well, <laughs> if everyone's racing around the city, they won't be at the birthday party. So exactly. We'll make everything, we'll contain everything. Right, right, right. And Give them yeah. a spectacle. It went from there. That's sweet. That's sweet. How many years did you race your own event before you decided this is, like, too much to... I raced the first two years, yeah. And yeah. Then, I, then after that, I was like, it was already out of control. Yeah. yeah. So the first year, a couple dozen people? First sure year, I think there was 15, 15 okay. entries. Yeah, I, it, it was just exactly the same format as now, more or less. Oh, really? uh, first lap preem, halfway lap, you know, halfway preem. I attacked mm-hmm. right from the gun. Come on. <laughs> Did the first half of the race solo, won both preems, and then got wow. reeled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. Was a, it was a good start. How did you cool. finish overall? Second, yeah. Not Out bad. sprinted by uh, Casey Manderfield. Okay. Nice. We've nice. seen that corner, I believe. On the uh, mm-hmm. the bottom part of the course, mm-hmm. that was a pretty nice touch. Adding all the um, the different names for the corners: Strickland Straight, Ivan's Exit, Celso yeah. Kink. Yeah, the Celso Kink. And she was excited <laughs> about that one on Facebook. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah, that's another thing you know I got from motorsports because you get these racetracks that are famous, and, right? You know, people are talking about the casino hairpin and like all the. Oh, you know, nice! Instead nice. of that one corner at the yeah, bottom where you're coming in, like you know. But actually, since then, I've, I've actually found that it's it's making our the organ organization a lot easier because instead of saying turn four and then yeah. trying to remember in your head what's turn four you mm-hmm. can like boom you know, salsa kink the, the bezdek bend and everyone's like okay it's <laughs> the bezdek bezdek bend i know exactly where that is yeah, right 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 that's cool um what would you say are the biggest obstacles in organizing something like this now obviously you it was just like a party in the beginning he and just smiles and you only <laughs> raced it for the first couple of years but like when did it start getting so turned up you're just like uh, you know I would say every year since the third year has just been absolutely terrifying and mm-hmm. insanely stressful. So, really? Yeah. Oh, and every man. year it's like a different problem to you know. What, for example, like uh, what what makes it stressful? Because people are so excited to show up here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so hearing from David Trimble, like why? What 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 kind of? Well, every year it's something different. Mm-hmm. You know, like one year you don't have enough money, another year you don't have permits, another year. Mm-hmm. You know, you have too much money and don't know how to spend it. You have too no. much money. <laughs> no, I never had that problem yet. <laughs> it's I, hope I, have, I hope it's I have that problem. Yeah. Um, now it's yeah. Now it's just growing so fast. It's hard to anticipate what you're going to need. Mm-hmm. You know, like from Milan to this year, you know, you have to like anticipate the growth and then you know, mm-hmm. get more support and put more infrastructure in place. And right. You can't just like rest on what happened at the last event because it's going to grow. And if you don't. If you do what you did at the last event, you're going to be screwed. So That's a good point. Yeah, figuring out what, what is going to happen next is the hardest part. How big is your, your staff or team of volunteers? Do you have any full-time people that are working with you? Yeah, or? I mean, for the last three months, I've had six people here full-time mm-hmm. working wow. 14 hours a day. So, wow. Yeah, we're, That's incredible. And yeah. then on, on, on race day, we're going to have probably 30, 30, 40 dedicated staff and another 100 volunteers. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
30 to 40 staff. Yeah. That's incredible. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's That's a big, great. It's a big operation. So Everyone right now is at the track, you know, yeah. and I'm here. So. Yeah. so you're living a portion of the year in Milan, Barcelona, London, and in New York. In New York, yeah. Like, so when will you leave for the next one? Probably by the end of May or first week of June. Wow. I'll be off to London, and then I won't come back till end of October. Wow. Maybe, maybe for a week, but, you know, we'll see. How do you pick the cities that – why did you pick – Barcelona, Milan, London, compared to so many other ones. New York, I can imagine. Yeah. You know, but like. I mean, each city has a different story, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they're long stories. But, you know, Milan was, I went over, the first time I ever went to Europe was 2008. Okay. And I ended up at the Bicycle Film Festival. Nice. I didn't even know it was happening. I just like sure. kind of ran into it, mm-hmm. made, made a lot of friends. Um, a couple years later, they were in New York again at the Bicycle Film Festival, and we just like started talking at dinner one night, and we're like, we should do the race in Milan. And then mm-hmm. we did the race in Milan and went from there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> did you have permits the first year? No. The first no. year in Milan was totally... Wow. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going to happen. I showed up a week before the race, and I was oh, like... Really? I knew there was like six guys coming from the U.S., and I was like, oh, well, at least we'll have six people racing. Right. I had no idea like any, any Europeans were going to show up. And how many people showed up? It was like 70-something wow. riders that first year. Wow. wow. Any uh, trouble with law enforcement? What did that look like? No. no. no not, none at all. Yeah. How is it working with international cities doing something like this? I mean, every city is different, mm-hmm. different challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, some cities are... Milan, it's, you know, the permit process is really vague and, and murky, and we don't know what's going on, and then they support the race. They're, like, they're an official partner of the race, and they pay for our barriers, and oh, the sports wow. commissioner, like, led the race out last year. And oh, it's cool. Nice. You know, where they're, you know, some things are hard and bureaucratic, but then they're supportive. Right. Whereas right. other cities are not supportive at all, but they're more efficient. So. Would you say New York is not supportive but more efficient, or would you, like... New York City is very super challenging because we're doing it on private property but the but the property's owned by the port authority oh, which is a, a federal company uh-huh. yeah it's a governmental agency mm-hmm. and that you know they don't really answer to anyone except for themselves like this they're not connected at all to the city of new york right um, right it's almost like dealing with private yeah it's privately owned gotcha. and then so the port authority owns the land then mm-hmm. the New York City Economic Development Corporation manages it and then mm-hmm. they've leased it out to a private operator there's so, a lot of tape you have to yeah go then there. the Coast Guard is there because it's a, a port of entry right yeah it's it's, it's super complicated so wow what cities can we expect in the future um, some people have been talking Asia Tokyo Los Angeles what's in the works I don't know no. I have no idea. I, I like, want to go to Amsterdam. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I really want to go to Amsterdam. Has Los Angeles ever been tossed around? Well, there's the Wolfpack, Wolfpack crit, yeah. so you know you'd probably they, have to partner with Don Ward. Or yeah, and we, we've 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 talked about yeah. that, um, but I think that's a beautiful event, and I would like to see that grow on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The more the more competition we have from other organizers, the better. Right. Because right. he's dropped down to to one event this year, just the short line. They're not having the the Civic Center, so just the Long Beach okay. event, which is actually yeah. next weekend. It's cool. It's like having a, um, you could be a pro fixie rider. People are starting to throw around that term. And I think a couple of the guys are actually making a living nowadays doing this. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to believe, but Pretty wild. I guess it's true. And mm-hmm. Imagine being a professional fixie. <laughs> I just, that fixie famous money, you know, so that's so cool. That's so cool. I, it's just that I started riding probably about five or so years ago in L.A., and seeing the growth that fixed gear riding has made from when I got involved to now has been phenomenal. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm just somebody on the sidelines. I was just shooting photos, doing video work, you mm-hmm. know, 
And so where it's going to go in the future, I've always told people, I've had this conversation with Ronnie, and thanks to races like what you do, like, just like you said, like, um, these guys, these racers are going to, are like, are jet pilots pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. see the the teams walking up and, like, little kids looking at them like, oh, my God, yeah. that's them. <laughs> Hero, you know what I mean? Heroes of the tarmac. Like, yeah. it's so crazy just seeing, like, how juiced people get and just how, how uh, just involved everything has been. Like, I could have never seen, I mean... I mean, you could ask me a million questions. I don't know where anything's going, but just the idea of where it's going and the future of it. Where do you see the future of this? Obviously, you would want it to keep growing, but do yeah. you have any anticipations or ideas that you would personally like to see happen in the cycling industry? Um, yeah, I mean, every race is like already way beyond what I could ever have imagined for it. Mm -hmm. But you know, every time we get through a race, we can see the next step. So once we get through this one, we'll be able to see the next step. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, the goal is to make it. Like I said, the Formula One of bike racing, right? Just super spectator friendly. There's lots of rivalries. People get really amped up before every race. They want to know who who's going to win, right? They're really, you know, devoted to the different teams and riders. Mm -hmm. and, and we we need a fan base. We need people all around the world caring about who's going to win mm -hmm. the races, and then then the sport will grow. Right. Who would you say are the uh, the crowd favorites and who you personally like, their their swag or style and what like, they bring uh, to the There's a writer named Ronnie Ta Toth. <laughs> of course yeah, you say that. I wasn't fishing, man. He's, I wasn't he's, he's a huge crowd favorite. Yeah, it's amazing. You see these riders, like, you've never even heard of them right. before. They show up to one race, and then after one race, like, you, you know, you see him every day on doing something. I think Social media. Colin yeah. gained uh, like 700 Instagram followers after Milan. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, I that's, became famous. That's so crazy. Crowd, yeah, and Mario Paz Duque yeah, is an amazing, a amazing crowd favorite. Mm -hmm. The Impulse Stage guys, uh, William de Guzman. William Guzman. Well, he's on Das mm -hmm. Noventa now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. It's like trades are happening. Teams are making yeah. moves. It's like it's silly season. Red Hook silly season. And I think it's all good for the uh, for the sport. You know, like any hype is building it. Yeah. Um, what's the most rewarding part of, of hosting the race and the event? Would you say personally, once uh, the stress yeah. is over? <laughs> yeah, I guess just you know when you when you just hear people talk about how much fun they had. That's yeah. really the most re rewarding part. Yeah. You're yeah. creating culture, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah, creating culture is really hard to do in these like confusing modern times. So if you can create any culture, you're you know it's it's positive. Oh, mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are you're giving people something to live for and yeah. um, something to look forward to. And I think that's huge, just with the human condition of we we grow accustomed to things and it's easy to get uh, unmotivated or depressed. And having something like this, I know, is a huge game changer for a lot of people. So thank you for creating that. That's yeah. that's huge. You know? Anything that can can push you to your to your limits is good. Yeah, it's it's really important to be tested. I think biking is one of the most. It's one of the testing and trying things on this planet. One of the few things, I think, just because you really get to know yourself. I know me, when I first started riding, I really got to know myself really well. And I can only imagine, like, being an athlete like Ronnie, you just it taking it to that next level, especially racing for something like this, is pretty crazy. Yep. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm going back to the idea of you racing uh, go-karts because that's something I've always been interested <laughs> in. I... I I was in Compton the other day and I was just riding my bike and this one black kid rolled up on me on his go-kart and he was like, yo, you want to race? And I was like, what? Yeah. And he was like, and just through the streets. And I thought that was so cool. Um, 
man, I think I want to start getting into go kart racing. That yeah, if you ever like too a, big, if you ever have a chance to go to a, like a professional go kart race, uh-huh. you you have to go. They're amazing. Really, yeah, they're okay. really really. Ins- it's an insane sport. Wow, yeah, it makes it seem, this seem tame. Wow, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. That's hard to say. That's crazy. Yeah, this, I, this I mean, is nothing compared, about, to, compared we, to that. We have open face helmets. We're wearing lycra, and uh, having ridden a motorcycle at incredibly fast speeds and then raced bikes, I've gotten far more messed up racing bikes than than a motorcycle. I mean, you have leathers, you have a full face helmet. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, faster speeds kill, but you can get hurt. You know, hurt doing any sport, but yeah, you know, shift your car racing. You're going 120 miles per hour, no wow. seat belts, and wheel to wheel. No seatbelt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, What's the point of seat belts? <laughs> well, there's no roll cage, so exactly. You know, if you flip, you want to get away from it. So okay. That's um, crazy. They, they say set dreams that scare you. So what's a dream that scares you about Red Hook? Like something that's just extraneously large, terrifying to you. What can you see happening? What would you like to see in uh, five, ten years? Yeah, I mean, it's scary that, you know, there's just so many people like devoting so much time and en- energy and money. And it's kind of like all more or less resting on my shoulders. <laughs> you know, if I wake if I wake up one morning and don't want to do it, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be disappointing for a lot of people. And it's yeah. it takes a really heavy physical toll on me. I don't have any free time and it's hard to, you know, maintain a no, kind of normal life traveling around full time. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So yeah, I just want I just want to see it keep going as, right. as long as it can. Right. Um, that you know that's the dream. But not I don't want it to keep going longer than it needs to. So right, right. It's not right. gonna last forever. Right. That's that's interesting. You you are as the organizer. What are the day to day operations off your bike? Like when you're not doing this, what are you doing? I mean, I, I all I ever do is this. That's <laughs> literally, that's, yeah. So I had one week off last year, and that was like over Christmas. And uh, you know, what I, time did you wake up today to get started? Uh, I slept in today, seven. I mean, slept, yeah. sleep <laughs> really? until seven. Seven a.m. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> slept in. That's crazy. And you're working until when you, uh, yeah. Yeah, when you go to sleep. Yeah. Wow. I think that's a very big lesson to learn. You know, like a lot of people want to know what types of things, because there are a lot of race, I'm not talking about Ronnie either, but there are yeah. a lot of race organizers in LA. And uh, they, I think this is important just for anybody that wants to do anything good or want to work hard to show like what you have to put into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think fundamentally it's just paying attention to the details. Like right. if your details are figured out, then the big pieces are are going to be figured out because you can't figure out the details until the big pieces are in place. So, right. You know, if you don't focus on the details, like you'll show up on race day and something will have been forgotten. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for um, for FUSAC? Have you heard of that? Uh, fixed yeah, gear USAC yeah. out in SoCal. Mm-hmm. So in Southern California, there's been a series created. Um, it's 10 races. And we've had anywhere from, from 80 to 120 men racing and up to 20 women racing. Um, it's a cumulative point series. So first place gets 10 points, second gets nine, third gets eight, so on and so forth, down to 10th uh, place. And the overall series will be crowned. Um, what advice would you offer in maybe garnering sponsorships? When should they get permits and go official with it? Yeah. Um, when do you start bringing in porter potties and police? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, they're obviously the, you know, it's a very popular. There's a lot of riders with a lot of attention. And it's just going to keep growing. So I would say, you know, absolutely, they need to start finding sponsors and, and getting financial support mm-hmm. and getting permits and making it official because it's not going to last very long, you know, totally, you know, un unpermitted and unofficial. I think the private way is the way to go find a big parking lot somewhere that you can rent. Private property is much, you know, yeah. it, it's usually more expensive, but it's definitely the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Why would you say that? There's less to deal with, less, less bureaucracy. To deal with yeah. Yeah, the problem, with, the problem with permits is that 
it's never really sure until like a week before. So you can do, really? you know, months and months of planning, but no city in the world will give you the permits like more than like two weeks before the event. Why would they, why does the city hold you out like that? I mean, it's just the way the, the process works. Yeah. You know, like you, for parking, you got to get every a signature from every business, you know, for the Temecula Grand Prix last weekend, they have to get cleared to be able to park from every single business that's going to be affected. And then last minute, they can the business can be like, yeah, we need access. We said we were gonna, you know, allow you to close the parking lot down, but we need access. They huh. gotta change yeah. the course or adjust something. That's crazy. A lot of last minute headaches. That's crazy. <clears throat> Do you think it's difficult to stand independently from the Trimble name? From the Trimble name? Yeah, from the Trimble name. Um, well, I, I don't intend to at all. So right. I mean, even the Red Hook creates a, a, a huge uh, family operation. My father helps design the tracks, and he. He paints the grids, and my mm-hmm. sisters are doing athlete check-in, and oh, yeah, nice. it's a, it's a, you know, on race day there'll probably be like ten trimbles there helping wow. out. So uh-huh. yeah, there's no standing independently from it. Right, um, right. But I think it's it's cool that my father and my uncle were innovative on bicycle design, and now I'm being innovative on bicycle racing design. Yeah. Right. So it's cool. it's nice seeing that. You know, we have good ideas and, you know, different aspects of cycling. That's sweet. You mentioned the starting grid. Um, what inspired the new, I guess, pyramid? Have you come up with a name I call, I've it? called it. Well, it's called the Evo grid because okay. uh, Evo, who's racing for me, we're in, I was in Amsterdam with him last fall, and we were just, like, talking about ideas. And he's like, you know what would be cool if you just put the fastest qualifier right in the front? And that was, and that was the idea. And then we just, and then we're doing it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, some of the some of it's logistical, like making less riders per row, so we can control the grid better. Right. Um, but yeah. we we really wanted to put the the fastest qualifier on display. It's cool. So. It's a good sponsorship um, incentive, you know, for a rider to be able to yeah. really crush it. We talked about some of the qualifying logistics of if you could do individual time trials, the problems that affords. Um, I, I like the new rule where you have, I think, a maximum of two riders per team or at least an yep. effort to do so. No, that's, that's yeah, Cause two in the riders past, per team. It was like if you were in group one and two and you were within 30% fitness, you just follow wheels and you're pretty yeah. much guaranteed to get in the final. Again, in Milan, I didn't have any you know Red Hook street cred, and so kind of had to pay my dues. And I started out in Group Six, totally normal. And um, you can still qualify riding by yourself, yeah. but it's just difficult to get one of the top qualifying times. Mm-hmm. I qualify first in my group in Group Six, <laughs> then drop to second, yeah. then drop to ninth, <laughs> then drop to twenty-fifth, and then I'm counting how many guys are in the final group. It's like yeah. if seventy percent of these guys qualify, I'm done. But it was it wasn't actually lack of street cred because we, we actually knew who you were. Mm-hmm. It was because you registered late. And had to like uh, beg so for a spot. Yeah. So if you re- if you beg for a spot, you and get put in the, the back. Comes out. Yeah. Honey registered. Yeah. Like. If you had registered like when you're supposed to, you would have been in a, a much higher group. It's like we've heard of that nasty titanium face of yours. I get I get so many emails about qualifying every oh, year. Really? Yeah. But well, I'm gonna start I, I finding like... people for emailing me about qualifying groups. You should. Yeah. Because I mean, you can qualify out of group six or seven if you're Absolutely, strong enough. Yeah. You can. You know, in yeah. Milan, I pretty much had to ride by myself, but it's a minute and a half, two minute effort. Like you can make it mm-hmm. yeah there's no way to make it you know every you know life's not fair qualifying's not fair you know yeah. right. but the strongest riders get into the race right you know, yeah all the time it's, so the riders who should be in the race are in the race so mm-hmm. everything else is just you know sour grapes usually yeah. sour grapes. i was telling friends is like if you make the final you know 85 95 with the last chance last chance with yeah. 95 total yeah. right um, that's an accomplishment. Like nowadays, with it getting so competitive, how many total um, women's, um, I guess, applicants or starters do we have, and how many uh, men? We have. Well, we 
I guess it's up to 300 men. 300 men. And then 300 it, men. Yeah, and we have another... 25% chance of making it. We have another 250 on the wait list. Really? Wow. Yeah. And Gosh, then the women are... Incredible. The women is around 80 this year, so... And yeah. what, what limits... Um, just time with the qualifiers? Time, yeah. It's already There's like... There's more entries, yeah. be more funding. But I imagine at this point, you're probably getting more funding from sponsors than you are from entries. I mean, entry fees are nothing. Yeah. I, I calculated it would be like $1,500 a rider or something if entry fees were to cover the cost. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that's huge. Yeah, and, and actually, you know, as we expand the day, our costs go up mm-hmm. because we have to hire more security. Gotcha. And, you know. Right. And the title sponsors for this year are... So Rockstar Games, okay. yeah. Again, yeah, so they're I mean, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, they want to be on board. That's such a big deal to me because how did Rockstar? Because when you think Grand Theft Auto, when you think, I mean, obviously Rockstar Games, you think Grand Theft Auto, just GTA. How did yeah. they? How did they get involved in this? Well, the yeah, the, the people at, at Rockstar are really passionate about cycling. Oh, you know, really? if, if you if you spend a week in New York riding around, you'll see like people with Rockstar kits all over the place. Oh, Every bike no. has Rockstar stickers, and they're cool. they they love cycling and they like promoting. In the community. Okay, um, okay. They used to sponsor another race called the Harlem Criterium. The in, Harlem Criterium. Yeah, okay. in New York. It was a road crit, four-corner road crit. Okay. Does it still go on? It still goes on. Okay. Rockstar is n- – the organizers have changed a few times. Okay. Um, I think Rockstar noticed that we were getting so much more attention than that race. Right, and right. So we're looking at like possibly a half-million-dollar venture to make something like this happen. Like That's insane. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a wow. Lot. Incredible. That's, yeah, that must feel so cool having created something out of nothing. There's no better feeling in life, whether it's a relationship and yeah. meeting something, meeting someone and creating something out of nothing or producing a product or a service or an event. That must be incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we, we didn't have any investors or anything. You know, it's just year after year after year oh, wow. trying to break even and, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never, never taken anyone else's money, just made it happen. And you know, representing the sponsors, making the sponsors happy so they come back bigger and bigger every year. Right. Strava has gotten involved in, in recent times, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. What does their role look like in it? Well, it they seems like the, a perfect fit. Yeah, Strava is amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really striving to become a social network for athletes, which yeah. they have done. And, mm-hmm. you know, all the cool characters around the crit yeah perfect i like fit. that the link that you had um with everybody's strava so like you can go and creep like who's fit yeah. right now what have they been racing this guy did a ra- you know that's good this guy did a pro one two race where they averaged 31 miles per hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully it'll uh, encourage people well people either start posting more or maybe they're like go yeah, stealth no i i love being uh totally transparent with stuff like post everything i might not put like for intervals i might not post exactly what i did or sometimes yeah. even add extra, like say you did 400 watt efforts, like you know, yeah, 500 watt efforts, throw in an extra 100 watts, yeah. <laughs> intimidate people. Yeah, I think a lot of there's a lot a lot of people for the first time running power meters this year, so it's gonna on be interesting. Yeah, yeah, really. I know I, ho- like I know Holloway's running. running uh, well, I think it's just afterwards okay, looking at the yeah. data. I know Holloway's running one that. Oh, that's badass. One wow. that can uh, measure both the braking and the acceleration. Really? So it's going to be interesting to see what his uh, power is throughout see, the race. The way wow. I see it in while racing, it takes energy to slow the bike. And so if I'm going to expend energy, I'm going to go forward. Yeah. So I think that affects the style of racing in Red Hook while there's like constant attacks. Like when you're yeah. watching these videos that um, Safa Brian is making, um, or just the Red Hook promo, you just see constant because people are thinking, if I'm going to spend energy, you might as well go forward. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, if not, you're holding yourself back. And if you get behind the gear, it, it hurts. So yeah, you mm-hmm. might as well sense. get some pictures too. Yeah, I think that's the re- reason a lot of people attack. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You just uh, the street cred. They've yeah. got the the GoPro running. Like I was in the front for five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you get to the front of this race, you're you're a badass. <laughs> that's so even crazy. even for five seconds. Yeah, 
I understand, uh, let's see, excessively large gears are banned. So what would be like an excessively large gear? And would um, there be any benefit on a course like this? No, but we, you know, we had one year in Barcelona, we had this kid show up and he was, I don't know what he was running, but like 5511 or something. And he just like went straight into the barriers in the first lap of qualifying. So uh, that's what we're trying to avoid. You know? Just the Fred. Yeah. We call it Fred Hook. Yeah. Fred Hook. He said 5511. Yeah, this, this kid was so weird, funny. Martin. He would like, he would go really slow in the corners and then just like sprint really fast on the straightaway yeah, and then yeah. couldn't slow down. And Wow. Yeah. Let's see. Um, some, some other rules I want to ask about. So like no disc wheels or tri spokes, aero spokes. Is that so if somebody crashes and gets like an arm in there, a tri spoke's going to rip an arm off? Or Yeah, that definitely. I mean, that's a tri spoke one. Yeah. Um, what about disc? Why? Same thing. It's just kind of like saving people from themselves. Maybe you the know? wind mm-hmm. can get blown around. Sort of, but also like it's just not a good wheel for crit the racing. Handling, really. Yeah. You know, so like the people are only going to run disc wheels for fashion. Right. So you might as well just like, you know, save on that choice. In right. Southern California, some of our courses are flowy. And so I'll admit I'm, I'm the Yeah, kook. I saw a picture of you I'm running a disc. on a disc. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up as a, as a tri guy, tri geek. They're also kind of scary man. to race next to you because they're like loud. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, when you hear that, you like. You want to get away from the guy. The Aero Bennies. So I think they should ban it in California. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> he doesn't want you looking cool, Ronnie. Yeah. He's exactly. looking too swaggy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Any Aero advantage. Because I'm trying to be off the front, you know, so. Yeah. What do they say? Maybe a mile per hour benefit. I mean, the first year in Milan, we had people, like, racing with tri bars. So. Really? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense because, like, you get harpooned. Um, you require bar tape. I usually do skateboard deck tape on my drops. And All I right. contact... Um, I'm blanking on the name. Um, gentleman that wears the tie and the vest. Uh, Gabe. Gabe, yeah. Yeah, yeah Gabe he emailed me that, that, that question. Um, <laughs> That's just so nobody gets, like, abrasions or anything. It's safe. I guess, yeah, I haven't really thought about the skateboard one yeah. too much, you know, but if we have a rule saying bar tape, we just want people running bar tape, you know. Yeah. Uh, someone came up with a handlebar last year that had, a, you know, it had abrasive material built into it so they didn't have okay. to run tape, huh. but we made them put tape on it because... Yeah. We don't want to like look at every single bar yeah. specifically Makes and sense. make decisions on every single rider like for their weird setups. Nobody gets uh, yeah. like a core sample taken out of them. Yeah. What's that one commercial on television of those people that spray the stuff in the bed of a truck to keep it nice and rough and smooth? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. I That's mean, the skateboard deck tape is, people say it doesn't hurt your hands. It kind of exfoliates nice. Huh. And when you're sweating, exfoliates. like more on a climb or a long ride, when you're sweating like your butt off, the bar tape can kind of get slippery. Yeah. So that's yeah maybe, we'll, maybe we'll have to amend the rules <laughs> skateboard for skateboard tape. Allowed. What are gloves for then if that's yeah. what the case is? Um, children. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. True. Now, do you have – there's so many people that are out here that are visiting from uh, out of town everywhere today. Do you have any fun routes that you could suggest or, you know, what's the best in NYC or Brooklyn? Brook, I mean, everyone's in Prospect Park right now. Like, oh, really? Yeah, doing laps and getting geared up. So. Okay. But once you get out of the city, there's a lot of really nice Prospect riding. Prospect Park. You know, up, okay. kind of upstate. But if you're going to stay in the city, Prospect Park is, Prospect is Park's f- a fantastic so place to that's ride. That's better than um, the Central? Central Park, yeah. Uh, it's it's not as quite as crowded, so it, okay. I would say it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any um, criteriums like for road during the week or any like practice races? Kind of like you have the Rose Bowl in Pasadena or Fiesta Island? I believe there's a race at Floyd Bennett Field, a road race on Sunday. Okay. Um, and it's like crazy early in the morning? Or? Yeah, like 6 a.m. Okay. or something. Well, I'm not sure, actually. You should, you should check. <laughs> um, 
Also, we don't want to forget about your 5K run. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's exciting to me because I'm always interested. My dad always used to tell me stories about runners because my, my mom's from Kenya. My dad lived in Kenya for a long time. So he used to live in the hills, and he always used to say that his police buddies are the ones that used to train and that the police, yeah. were, the police were the runners nice. in Kenya, you know? And so every time I see uh, a marathon or a 5K, I'm always imagining some East African guy taking that, you know? Yeah. But uh, that's just like my little... We had a Kenyan win for the first time last year. Oh, what really? Yeah. What did yeah. he go? Mid-14s or how fast? Uh, Maybe Like around... It was a low 14, like wow. 1405 Smart. or something. We've had, we've had a runner break 14 minutes before. Gosh. But yeah, I love the 5K. It's like yeah. super exciting to watch. Um, How did you, what made you want to get into that? Like what was, what made you want to start the 5K? Obviously you started the race first. Were you yeah. just like, yo, we should do a 5K too? Well, yeah, one of my brothers was a pretty elite level runner in school. So I was always really fascinated by you know, how fit he was and, yeah. how, like, you know, trying to keep up with him a couple of times. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, this is insane. We're like, I can feel the wind blowing on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted to add more races during the day. Um, and I think a lot of bike races make mistakes of having like d- different bike racing all day long because mm-hmm. spectators get bored and they leave before the main show. Right. So adding a running race, you know, allowed for a, a, a more variety of competition. That's so clever. That's a good idea. Um, whatever happened to the double? I know we were we were talking about the Milan of like the challenge of any. Well, someone did it so oh, last did? year, okay. so it's like done. We're done What's with the it. Yeah, Austin Horse did it. Okay, tell them what the double is. What's the double? The double was uh, anyone who could finish the 5K and the bike race on the lead lap, and Austin did not it last get, year. Not get it's lapped. In, yeah, incredibly hard. So did wow. he do like 17? He did like 17 a 17 minutes. something yeah. in the You'd 5K and then K behind him. Yeah. You have to do your your four laps in the time that the Kenyan or the winner did five. So probably well, last year was four laps, so it okay. was a little bit easier, oh, wow. but okay. it's still. And then he finished like last place in the bike race, but he finished. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, he, he, that was I think his third attempt at it. So. His third attempt. Yeah. When are you gonna do it, Ronnie? Uh, I don't think he has. The, I'd need some incentive if I was gonna do it. I could. I've run a fifteen forty five five k. Oh so shit! I'd be able yeah, to do it. That's fast. Yeah, I'm gonna try to be athlete. That's mm-hmm. what I call it, triathletes. Well, we could do athletes. top twenty or something. Thousand yeah, dollars, top twenty in both races. Boom! That's yeah. just for you, my friend. Dude, I'd run it in a my ri- triathlon race kit is the speedo and a bow tie. <laughs> or I've got these little cowboy jorts. It's always something. Well, in if a you bow don't tie. qualify, we can get you in the five k. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let the shit talking commence. Tremble back at it. It. Again <laughs> with the shit talking. That's good. Don't put that on me. <laughs> That's funny. You just gotta you gotta follow the right wheels. I'm uh we'll see if Holloway listens to this before, but like I'm following Holloway. <laughs> That's be careful. That's my man. Be careful following him. Yeah, you're right, because with the uh the backpedaling, yeah. like can follow Holloway fix your skin? That is the question of the week. <laughs> He'll be all right, but he may get a little excited at the beginning. Yeah, because like if you carry so much speed into a corner, you have to be able to use the muscles to counteract that speed. Yeah. yeah? Yeah. I spent a couple of days just practicing hairpins, come in at thirty miles per hour and Good. get down to fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be interesting with the double hairpin. Yeah. I think probably the first one is really the one that matters. And how much space, I guess you might not know exactly, but how well, much that's space where I'm about to two? go figure out. You're about to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the that's the million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Because well, you know, stars. one, you know, if you, if it's further away from the this, if the first hairpin apex is further away from the second hairpin, riders have more of a chance to get back onto the right racing line. Right. Um, but they'll also be then carrying more speed. So it's right. going to be a balance. Right, right, right. If you, uh, not if you, what, how do you, 
when you want to start a new, when you want to create a new track, what's the first step like when it comes to that? How do you even create a track? What what goes into it? You understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't, man. It's like months and months and months of like, right. I mean, we've we designed like eight different track layouts for this year. Even and then, before that's a yeah. good question. Even before this one, eight different track layouts. Yeah, it's just always just thinking about new ideas, and then you know, after a race, you see which corners worked, which ones didn't, like mm-hmm. you know, and go from there. And then you then we draw it up in AutoCAD, and then figure out the lines, and then go out there and test it, and then make changes. And mm-hmm. yeah. it was very New York that it was a hand drawn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should see our technical map. It's like super super complicated, but right. then to you know present it, it was hand drawn. That's so. what I was like. Yeah. That looks so simple. Like you guys were probably at a coffee shop and we're like, "Yo, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this and this, and then we'll, we'll post I, it." Yeah. <laughs> when I worked in architecture, you know, when you showed something to the client, it was always, you know, they could understand a drawing like that much more than they could a technical drawing. You're hundred percent You know, they correct. get the they could kind of get the spirit of it more. Right, right, so. right. Wow, that's amazing. Well, great. I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get back gotta to work. Yeah, yeah, heck of a yeah. show. Thank you for your time, David. Um, we wanted to, we wanted to thank you. And anything else that you want to add or say, or expectations for tonight? Um, or tomorrow. Oh yeah, the, the pre-race party, of course. The ro- it's in a chocolate factory in Red Hook. The Shut ro- up. Yeah. The Rock, really? Rocka Chocolate Factory. Oh. So. Yo, welcome to yeah. New York. There's a party in a chocolate factory tonight, yeah. guys. Everyone I come. Yeah. Everyone's invited. And if you're at the race and you see any of my uh, staff slaving away. You know, say thanks to them because everyone's working super, super hard to make this happen. Do they have any sweet special shirts on? Yeah, you'll be able to identify them. Okay, cool, cool. And cool. check in. People can check in from what time to what time? So today, from well, it's, ten, it's opened at ten. It's going to go till six thirty at RNA Cycles. Cool. It's another great sponsor of ours. Is that pretty close to here? It's in uh, Park Slope, so it's Park Slope. just a couple miles from here, close to Prospect Park. Phenomenal. It's the mo- world's most spectacular bike shop. You should see what they have in there. It's, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, thank you so much. And again, we wanted to really thank Poseidon Bikes for bringing us out here. Again, we are true believers in affordable products. And Poseidon Bikes is changing the tide of cycling. Yeah, be able to get a bike for 500 bucks is a huge game changer. Make the switch from, uh, from Fixie to becoming a, a roadie. Uh, we want to thank you for your time, David. Um, you have inspired me personally, and I'm sure uh, thousands, if not uh, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of others. And we look forward to seeing this grow. Thanks. I'm excited. I'm very happy to meet you in person and to really talk to you. And, and honestly, I've always enjoyed motorsports. I just can't afford it. Yeah. You know, I told myself <laughs> when I make real fixie money, I'm going to get into rally racing. Yeah, you know? if I ever make money off of this, I'm going back into motorsports. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, I want to go to Africa and race rally. That's something yeah. I, I don't tell anybody out loud, but now I just did. But anyways, thanks, man. All right. Ooh, All yep. right. Red Hook, thrive on. Quieting. Excellent.